Hey everyone, this is Anna. Welcome back to another episode of Five Years Later. Yay! All right. So for those of you who are up to date on all of our episodes, you know that Esther and I are doing another round of solo sessions. If you are new to our podcast, or if you are just now joining us, I highly encourage you to press pause, go back to last week's episode, and listen to Esther's recording. Or you can continue to listen right now, but you have to make sure that you go back to revisit Esther's episode afterwards. The choice is yours. Nevertheless, onwards we go with this episode. Once again, Esther and I have prepared a list of questions for each other to answer for our respective episodes. And so in no particular order, let's jump right in. For our first question, what are the most used applications on your phone? Is there an application you would like to recommend to us? Well, for this question, I was able to check my screen time history and see which are the most used apps. And as of today, the app that I have used the most is the HBO Max app, followed by the Safari app, and followed by the Twitter app. This week, I've been having to go to the office more often, and with that, that means more time commuting on the train. So luckily, with the HBO Max app, I am able to catch up on various movies and TV shows. And most recently, I just finished watching the Downton Abbey movie, which was a lot of fun. And now I am currently watching The Wedding Singer. As far as my second most used app, I have been using the Safari app. And probably that's been mostly used for online shopping. My friend and I have been working on producing our own music video style dance film. And for that project, we have been trying to decide on various looks and costumes. So the Safari app has been getting a lot of use. And lastly, for the Twitter app, I use that to get various K-pop content updates. I'm also in a group chat with two of my friends who are also big fans of K-pop. And on Twitter, we frequently send each other various messages or GIFs or videos and get excited about various groups' comebacks, their promotional images, and their latest music videos. Out of these three apps, I recommend the HBO Max app, if possible. Full disclosure, I do use a friend's HBO Max account Thank you, friend, for sharing your login. It is very much appreciated. And the HBO Max app is really great because you can download the movies or TV shows that you want to watch. And when taking the subway at times when there is no service for my phone, if I have content that's already downloaded, I can still watch it and be entertained during my various commutes. Moving on to our next question. Do you have an unpopular opinion? Hmm, this is a very interesting question. So for this question, I will be talking about the Star Wars movies, particularly The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. For this question, I would also like to put out a major spoiler alert. If you have not seen these movies and you are planning to watch at some point, you'll probably definitely want to skip over this question because I'm basically going to reveal how the whole thing ends. So my unpopular opinion is that the main characters in this series of the Star Wars films, Rey and Kylo Ren, should be together happily ever after. Hashtag Reylo. If you're continuing 
to listen to me speak about Star Wars, then you're probably already familiar with the series, and you know that I'm referring to episodes 7, 8, and 9, or maybe you feel ambivalent about the whole Star Wars franchise. So I will say, in general, I feel pretty ambivalent about Star Wars, with the exception of episodes 7, 8, and 9 specifically. And for this, I would like to reference episode 4 of our podcast. So in episode 4, I revealed that one of the characters that I have a crush on is Kylo Ren. And Kylo Ren is played by Adam Driver. Why do I have a crush on Kylo Ren? Well, he's a very emo and moody type of guy. And apparently those are the types of guys that I'm attracted to. Anyhow, in episode 7, 8, and 9, we see the plot starts to revolve around Rey and Kylo Ren, in that Rey is representing the light side of the Force, and Kylo Ren represents the dark side of the Force. And we see that the plot is set up in a way where the story is kind of alluding to them having some kind of relationship. And for me, I really wanted them to get together at the end of the movie series. By the end of episode 9, we do see that the characters kiss, which for me made me feel very happy and validated in seeing that happen. But alas, at the end of the movie, Kylo Ren actually ends up returning to the Force and he exists no more, leaving Rey by herself. Although on one hand, yes, I did get my wish of seeing Kylo Ren and Rey together and that they kissed, are they actually together? Because again, Kylo Ren returned to the Force. I think for me, that's not good enough. They didn't get to have their happily ever after ending together. So that's my opinion on Star Wars. And I think it may be unpopular for some people who feel that this plot point was unnecessary or they felt like their relationship didn't make sense or for whatever reason. But you know what? This is my opinion. So if you disagree, Oh well, but hey, if you do agree, great minds think alike. Moving on to our next question. In our previous episodes, we learned that you enjoy playing various video games. If you were to become a video game developer, what kind of game would you create? Let's assume you have an unlimited budget and anything can be made possible. Well, Esther, this is a tough question. I'd like to reference episode 24, Let's Not Be Casual Mode, and episode 32, Dating Ideas, bowling, and scandalous breakfast sandwiches. So in episode 24, I talked about the video game Rocket League, and in episode 32, I talked about Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And I think what's particularly interesting about these games is they both have an element of customization. In Rocket League, you can customize the car that you're driving, and similarly in Call of Duty, you can also customize the weapons, you can change out the skins, the attachments for the weapons, you can change the character that you have, and somehow I think the aspect of customization is very appealing to me. And in both of these games, the games are played in short matches with other players online. And I feel like it has a very addictive quality in that after you play one match or you play a game, depending on the outcome of the game, you still want to keep playing. This sort of addictive feeling of wanting to play just one more match, one more round. Somehow this also makes the game very enjoyable for me. I also played Fortnite and really enjoyed that. Fortnite is an interesting game because you're running around trying to eliminate other players, but you can also do various dance moves or emotes in the game. And of course, 
me being a dancer that really appeals to my artistic and expressive side. So, of course, Fortnite was a lot of fun for me. Other games that I've enjoyed playing are Mario Kart and also various Kirby games. And I think what I like about Mario Kart and the Kirby games and Fortnite is that the graphics are very colorful, especially in the case of the Kirby video games. Kirby is such a cute video game character. And of course, in Mario Kart with the various other characters to pick from, having the fun cartoon characters just makes the game feel very fun and lighthearted for me. So I think if I were to develop my own video game, I would want it to be some kind of mashup of all these ideas. And I'm really struggling to think of a very unique game mode. So I think going with a mashup of all these different concepts is probably the direction that I would want to go in. So for example, having a game format similar to Call of Duty or Fortnite where you play online with a lot of people, but it's short matches, like with Mario Kart or Rocket League, the matches are short. And then you can also face off with other players in a 1v1 setting, and that could even have a dance battle element. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I don't really know how that would work, but I think being able to incorporate those elements of having the short matches that are easy to play with other players online and having the fun and colorful graphics with a dance element I think that would be a really fun game to play. I can't think of a great name title for this kind of game. So for now, while it's still in quote unquote development, I'll just call it Untitled. What do you guys think? What do you think you would call this kind of game? I would love to hear your thoughts and suggestions. Moving on to our next question. You've been given $1,000 to spend on anything you want and you have to use it. No saving. What would you purchase and why? Well, this is an interesting question. I feel like I could go in different directions. I thought about perhaps spending it on this film that I'm trying to produce with my friend, but I could also spend it on paying back my student loans, but that's no fun because I would still have a lot of student loans left to pay afterwards, even with the $1,000 payment. And I also thought about maybe just using it on something practical, like paying for my rent. But I think what I would do is use the $1,000 to invite my parents to come visit me. So a few months ago, I actually got to visit them back home in Louisiana, spending the time with them after over a year being separated made me realize how much I miss them and how important it is for me that we're able to see each other on a more regular basis. And it's definitely challenging being in states that are far across the country from each other, across different time zones. So I think being able to use the $1,000 to fly my parents out to come visit would be really great because then we could go and explore the various landmarks in New York City. We could eat a lot of great food, could visit Chinatown, Koreatown, Little Italy, so many neighborhoods, so many great food places, and make a lot of fun memories together. All right, just a couple questions left. For our next question, if you had to describe yourself in only three words, what would they be? The three words that I would pick are creative, indecisive, and non-confrontational. Being a dancer and an artist, I do feel that I have a creative side that I like to express, whether it's 
in dancing in the studio or working at my day job in an office setting. I will say that living in a pandemic, it has been challenging to find ways to be creative. But I think something that has been really interesting to come out of this pandemic is, of course, this podcast. Working on this podcast has been a totally different way of being creative. It's very different from anything that I would have thought of myself doing before the pandemic. And so, Esther, I have you to thank for coming up with this idea and for making this all happen. So creative is definitely one word that I would use to describe myself. The second word that I mentioned is indecisive. In episode 13, Are We Astrologically Compatible? Esther and I did some research on our astrological signs. So I am a Libra and Libras are known to be very indecisive. And I really take that to heart. Literally right before recording this episode, my friend and I were looking at costume ideas for the dance film that we are producing. And it was such a struggle. We debated back and forth between different online websites, different pant options, different size options for the pants. The struggle is real. Not only is picking out costumes challenging, but sometimes even something as simple as what to wear when I go to work or what to eat during my lunch break can be a challenge. Of course, it's not so challenging in such a way that it prevents me from going about my day, but sometimes I do like to text my friends and just get their input, get their thoughts, and help me make my decision. And the third word that I mentioned is non-confrontational. I feel like with my personality, I really don't enjoy confronting people and having conflicts or potentially being in a situation where either myself or the other person is feeling awkward. In my day-to-day interactions with people, usually I try to keep things pretty calm, pretty neutral, and not get anyone too riled up. I think this has its pros and cons. In general, while I personally view being non-confrontational as a positive thing, some people might feel like by being non-confrontational, it's a way of not taking a stand or not advocating for something. Whereas on the other hand, some people may view it as a way of being more diplomatic or being more easygoing and going with the flow. I think both interpretations are valid, but again, I think non-confrontational is a way that I would describe myself. The second part of this question is, what words do you think your friends would choose to describe you? I think my friends would also agree with creative. My friends all know that I'm very passionate about dancing and that I enjoy performing and creating, so they would definitely agree with that. And I think another word that they would use to describe me is chill. So again, this is not my word. This is something that I've heard my friends say. And I think that kind of goes back to my non-confrontational personality. Generally, I just try to kind of go with the flow, not cause too much of a fuss. So I think for me, when I present that part of myself to others, at least among my friends, they see it as being chill and laid back. So thank you, friends, for that. I do like to be perceived as being chill. I feel like that's a good thing. Moving on to our last question. In some of our episodes, we try to give meaningful and inspiring take-home messages to our listeners. What's the best advice you have ever received 
and or been given? So this was a question that I had to do some thinking about. And what I would like to share is something that I read from a book. This is a book that my brother got for me for my birthday last year, and it's called The Decision Book, 50 Models for Strategic Thinking. Going back to the three words to describe myself, one of the words that I mentioned was indecisive. So for an indecisive person such as myself, having this decision book is actually pretty handy. I am a little embarrassed to say that I actually didn't open it until probably a few weeks ago. And something that I would like to share from the book is something called the buyer's decision model. The steps described in the book for the buyer's decision model are as follows. Step one, establish a research strategy. Step two, lower your expectations. Step three, don't worry. And lastly, step four, let somebody else decide. So I am pleased to say that I have used all of these strategies in various situations, but sometimes making decisions can still be challenging. And just to expand a little bit more on step three, don't worry, one of the helpful hints is to use something called the 10-10-10 technique from Susie Welch. This technique is when you're considering your decision, ask yourself the following questions. What consequences will my decision have in 10 days? What consequences will it have in 10 months? And what consequences will the decision have in 10 years? I would specifically like to highlight the 10-10-10 technique. I think it's very straightforward, it's easy to remember, and I think it's pretty applicable in almost any kind of decision-making setting. So for example, something I mentioned earlier, deciding what to eat. In 10 years, is it going to matter what I ate for lunch? Probably not. So don't spend so much time on it. But for other things, for example, choosing a career path, deciding if you want to change jobs, making an investment, those are things that could definitely have longer-term consequences. And so for something like that, putting a little bit more thought for example, establishing your research strategy, outsourcing your decision to someone else, getting input from others. I think those are all techniques that can be used when faced with these difficult strategic time points. Well, we have reached the end of our questions. So thank you, Esther, for these. They definitely required some thought and preparation, and it was really fun to answer them. And of course, Thank you to all of you, our listeners, for following along with our podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, I invite you all to subscribe on all platforms, leave us a rating, and or write a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at fiveyearslater underscore podcast. Sometimes we post memes and other fun content, so if you want to see all of that, you should definitely follow us. We also want to hear from you, so send us a DM as well. That concludes today's episode, and Looking forward to being back with Esther next week. See you all next time. Bye.